the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, beautiful sun's out today. Beautiful day. Uh, let's start thinking positively. You can't have a million-dollar dream on a minimum wage work ethic. Ain't <laughs> that the truth? The best preparation for good work tomorrow is to do good work today. Uh, great work is done by people who are not afraid to be great. Ain't that the truth? Uh, anyway, so we uh, we always you know uh, send you to our. Uh, uh, webpage via the WHK webpage. So if you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, you can go directly to my webpage. And I would suggest, you know, there's a lot of good stuff on that webpage. Uh, you know, you have it, the Insight tab. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of new research on there. And it, and it, there, there's some really good stuff, I think, this week. Uh, that you should be reading. Um, the other thing is, you know, I, I talked to some people about a wealth plan last week, and people think I'm crazy about this, but, uh, you know, look, this is interactive. So if your thoughts change, the, the plan changes. So all we do is say, hey, you know, I, I've got a client who wants to give, uh, you know, houses to his three kids. Okay? It's a good way to get them started. And we're 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 going to do, we run the wealth plan for him Monday and see if he can afford it. Okay. And then, you know, he may do it anyway. So what? But the point is, is at least we can, we can get a feel for, Hey, do you have the opportunity here or not? Okay. And, uh, and what it does is gives you a percentage on if the plan will work, if you do whatever you do. All right. So there we go. And, and by the way, it, it, the, they put in down years in the market. I mean, they expected last year, uh, or they, they have last year's a down year in the market. So they have down years in the market. So their projections are not all up. Simple as that. Also, uh, the family inventory workbook, I can't tell you, uh, you know, getting all your stuff together, put in one spot is going to help your family somewhere down the line. All right. And, and we do have some other things, the dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our best ideas. We did change our software. Uh, uh, we, we had an update on Microsoft, so I apologize. But the last week or so, we've had <laughs> uh, a bunch of of your emails go to uh, spam filter, and so I have to look that over today and see if there's anybody I missed. I don't I don't know how many I missed, uh, but it was an update, and so it, my apologies. But whatever. Remember, uh, if you own a company and you do business with us, what we can do is we can give you 
a good idea of what your company's worth, and it's free. By the way, the wealth plan's free if you're a client with us, and, and you can be a prospective client with us and still be free. So the, the key is, is that if you own a company, we can do two things for you. We can price out your company if you're looking to sell it, number one. Number two, you know, we, we have the guys over at uh, Day Topage over at Dunbar and Bender, and they can help you put more money away if you're sticking around. And look, money grows a lot faster when, when Uncle Sam can't get to it, okay? So it's that simple. Uh, you know, you just got to remember that uh, these guys are really talented at what they do. And, and I haven't seen them come up short uh, yet. So we'll see what happens going forward. Anyway, um, this is a live show. So if you've got a question, the number is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Lenny will pick you up. He's a great uh, technical guy. So let's start off. You know, after underperforming value pretty dramatically in 2022, large cap growth has attempted to come back here in the early part of 2023. After a strong growth uh, for January, the comeback attempt stalled. <laughs> and in February, inflation fears uh, and the Fed angst resurfaced. Um, However, the year-to-date move has brought the growth value debate back into the spotlight, and it'll be interesting to see, but value looks a little better from the balance sheet perspective, I'll say that, and short-term and long-term, yet the capitalization are a little higher in the growth area than value. So, you know, and, and growth has turned slightly expensive uh, relative to value right at the moment, so we've got to keep that in mind. And major crises tend to usher in shifts in leadership between growth and value. And growth has been the way to be for almost nine years now. So I think value is going to outperform for a while, but I still think you need, uh, you know, there's going to be movement in growth every once in a while. Uh, look, there's some earnings revisions trends have turned a little stronger in growth than in value right at the moment. And that's why you've seen the move. Uh, this reverses conditions in place for most of last year. All right. So keep that in mind. And growth has been, a bit more international exposure than value. And uh, the international stock, you know, I've been talking about ADRs now for some time. The ADRs have have uh, been outperforming still, okay? So growth has a little, you know, this, this international experience uh, uh, exposure is important, I think. So historically, when growth has been sluggish, growth stocks have outperformed value stocks. With the amount of money that the Fed put in, you know, put into the system in the last two years, they have forty percent increase in M two, which is the money supply. Uh, you know, inflation is defined as too many dollars chasing too few goods. There's going to be a lot of dollars out there, and it doesn't help that Congress added, you know, six trillion dollars with no Republican votes, and then another one point seven trillion with three Republican votes. Uh, so, you know. It, it, You've got a lot of money out there. And by the way, that money started in January. All right. So we'll see what's happening. The other thing is a lot of people are, are putting a lot of credence into the job openings. Uh, and, and I guess the big question that Tom Porcelli brought up this week, uh, who's our head economist, uh, he said, do the job openings have some significant limitations? You know, we, we won't outline all the reasons against, but those fundamental flaws aside, we think there should be a basic high-level question worth asking about job openings. Are they ever realized? <laughs> and the short interest answer in the last decade has been no, they aren't. All right. So the 
if we look, uh, we think about the, the labor backdrop, we think that there are two distinct ways to break it down, the cyclical and the secular. Sec, uh, cyclically, cyclically <laughs> easy for me to say, there was overhiring that occurred in a couple of key sectors of the last couple of years, retail and tech in particular, and those jobs are being shed. That is in part why the unemployment rate will rise over the next couple couple months. But, uh, you, you know, it, it it's a it's an interesting time, shall we say. Now, look, some people ask me, uh, you know, wh- where do you think the market's going? And I, I go back to this sawtooth pattern we're talking about. You know, we were up in January, we were down in February, and March has turned up a little bit. Now, just remember, you know, March is usually a good month, but the first two weeks are usually flat. It's the last two and a half weeks that take off. All right. So, look, I think we've seen, the, you know, by the way, I say this because I've read a lot. Uh, you know, Tom Lee says this, uh, Lori Calvin, Tom Porcelli. Uh, the last of the hot inflation date was the unit labor cost, and it increased at 3.2%. Uh, and the other thing was Fed Chair Powell actually kicks off this period with a semi, uh, sem, semi-annual testimony to the Senate Banking Committee coming up here. Uh, so meaning that the 25 basis point path for March FMOC, um, barring evidence of continued inflation, will probably be the way it goes. The bond market will likely pivot dovish, we think, in, in March. Um, the hot January inflation data, you know, uh, and by the way, I'm going to talk about later on about some of the things I'm seeing in the labor department. And we have a falling VIX. You know, the VIX is the fear index. When it falls, there's less fear. So if the incoming data tilts this, tilts the way we expect, the bond market volatility should fall, and so should the stock market volatility. So we'll see what happens there. But but that, by the way, in bond markets, that means higher prices, lower yields. And in stock markets, that just means higher prices. So seasonality is a very strong argument right here. You know, uh, March and April are usually good months. You know, January, when, as January goes, so goes the market, both the first week of January and the month of January, especially after a down year. I mean, they're seven for seven. So we'll see what happens. But I'm not sure I agree with those who say the stock market is expensive, but I, I think many cite this as a confirmation basis to stay on the sidelines. I don't know about that. And if you take a look at the X, X-Fang, the S&P 500's you know, P-E ratio is 14.8 times, which is at the lower end. Energy is like 10. Financials is like 11. And they have been, you know, the energy stocks led for two years. Financials has been leading for the last nine months. So, they're still cheap, all right? And we, we, that's something you got to remember. And I think we had the last hot prints uh, in January. Uh, you know, in normal times, you know, one of the adages regarding economic data is good news is bad news, okay? Meaning stronger data means a tougher Fed. And this is the regime that we've been play, playing at for the last 18 months. So, uh, now we saw some strong inflation and in economic data in January, so we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, you know, this is obvious. The question is whether the U.S. economic momentum and inflation accelerated in January. Look, interest rates going up is not bad news. That means the economy is in better shape than we anticipate, and that's what happened. We broke over four percent, and I didn't think we were going to do that. Um, so you know, so far I'm wrong, but. Look, if interest rates come back, and I think that 425, 430 area on the 10-year may hold, uh, you know, and we're not there yet. We're, you know, we were above four, now we're below four. So 
look, I think what you want to look at is dividend growth stocks. And I highly recommend this simply because of the fact that, you know, if you have a growing dividend, you can't fake that. You cannot fake a dividend, okay? Uh, there's too many people doing the numbers. I mean, look, I can tell you, you know, when I get my annual reports in for my major positions, I go over them all. And I'm not, you know, I know a lot of guys that are accountants and, you know, actuarial people and CPAs who are going over these and saying to, you know, hey, I don't think they can keep this dividend growth, you know, and that type of thing. It's a good time. You know, if, if you're frightened of the market right now, the dividend props the stock up. Dividend goes up 6%, 6 to 8% a year. It really props the stock up, okay? So, look, market sentiment shifted in February. You know, after beginning with a confidence that inflation was getting under control and believing that the Fed could soon pivot, investors started worrying about an extension to the U.S. interest hiking cycle. Inflation is, is proving stubborn and labor market too buoyant. Now, I said we broke out of this 40-year downtrend on the, on the yield of the 10-year Treasury. We're not going back. Not after, when you break out of a 40-year downtrend, we're not going back to, to 1% or half a percent. So if you're looking to buy a house, any dips, you know, we're probably going to go sideways for, for several years, all right? So you, any dips in the interest rates, you want to, and that's what happened in January. The interest rates dipped down to 340. The number of uh, new mortgages came out. Now nobody's refinancing because everybody else. The refinancing gig's over. Everybody's got two and seven eighths, three, you know, three and an eighth, some lower than that. So that's gone. But so government bond yields are on the rise once again, and as volatility remains elevated, the average yield on the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index currently is three point eight percent. That's just high of the two hundred twenty-two high of four percent. So we're going to see this. You know, look, in uncertain environments with financial markets prone to cross currents, we believe a neutral position for global equities is warranted, right? So you just, you want to be thinking ahead. So what do you do? So if you're down heavy and, and it's a taxable account and you're down heavy on growth stocks, and I got a couple that, you know, uh, you couldn't sell them all, you know, that got away from me. So if it's a taxable account, what you want to do is do a little tax loss harvesting at this time. And and upgrade your portfolio. Okay, uh, I think it's a great idea uh, at this point to be looking very closely at you know, hey, is this going to come back or is it not going to come back? You know that type of thing. Uh, you know, and, and some people have got burned in bonds too. I mean, bonds got hit last year too. Remember, they were down about fifteen, sixteen percent, and the the S and P five hundred was down eighteen. So it was a. It didn't matter where you were. You know, you got beat up. And if you bought commodities going. You know, during the Ukraine crisis, you probably got whacked on those, too. Although I'm looking at oil, and I think oil may be turning up. We'll see what happens. But so remember, there's there's a, a timing impacts on some potential uh, tax bills. And the new, new information out, I, I've got a, a piece on it. You might want to go to WHK1420. <laughs> and go to a local podcast down to Smart Investor Show and, and uh, get us. Now, um, I don't know how much time I have before we take a commercial here, but you know, China's reopening is kind of reality check. And and look, there's been a flurry of activity to surprise of many, qu quite frankly. 
China has returned a little bit. Public transit, transit, uh, transit readership, uh, ridership, I'm sorry, and airline traffic are increasing. Um, lower COVID cases. As momentum continues, we think the benefits of the global economy and select equities will emerge. All right. So uh, three months have passed since the, you know, China's zero COVID policy and the latest COVID-19 wave seems to have ended. All right. So we'll see what happens. But I, I don't know if there'll be a new COVID wave anytime soon. We'll find out. But I think there's some strong mobility rebound even after the Chinese New, new Year. So, uh, by the way, there's been a surge in travel inquiries uh, for, in China, which I think is very, very positive. And I think consumption likely will be tied to some some income expectations in China. So, you know, if they're going back to work, there's more income. So it'll be interesting to see what this, you know, what the equity market implications in China are going forward. And I think it'll be, you know, something that we have to pay pretty close attention to. Uh, I did look at UK and some of the ADRs that we, you know, our ADR list is doing quite well this year, by the way. Uh, The UK and the EU have, struck a deal on new trade rules for Northern Ireland. I don't know if you know that, but which may resolve a thorny issue, which has driven some post-Brexit uh, trading tensions. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But the ADRs are actually outperforming. So we'll, we'll keep that in mind. Hey, let's take a break. Well, once again, the, the phone number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. All during Lent, the lobster pot is featuring some of the greatest fish platters of the year, including fresh grilled salmon with cucumber dill sauce and your choice of two sides. Lake Erie perch with Great Lakes beer batter or sautéed with white wine, lemon, butter, and capers, served with french fries and house coleslaw. Great Lakes Dortmunder beer battered Lake Erie walleye or broiled with lemon and panko breadcrumbs, served with your choice of two sides, fresh broiled wild Iceland cod loin with a buttered panko lemon crust with your choice of two sides and get this a great lakes beer battered haddock platter with fries and coleslaw for only 19 dollars on wednesdays and fridays and that's a lot of food and don't forget about wednesday and thursday night one dollar giant shrimp and two dollar oyster nights so call the lobster pot now for reservations at 440-569-1634. That's 440-569-1634. Or go to lobsterpotrestaurant.com. Dennis Prager is tired of the fear-mongering. Al Gore and these other crackpots have been saving the world since 1990 at least. Every 12 years we're warned it's too late if we don't do anything. And we uh, do almost nothing except ruin people's lives. The damage that the, 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 the latest panic mongers are doing is daily in the news. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. 
Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. And we're back here, folks. All right, so you just tuned in. It's the Smart Investor Show. And, uh, you know, I, I, I talked about this uh, back... I don't know, I guess in the summer, was the barbell portfolio strategy. So half your portfolio growth, half your uh, portfolio value. Now, I stressed value (laughs) during that period of time. And, you know, uh, look, if you look, um, and and I look at two things, you know, growth total return versus uh, our relative to the S&P 500 value, uh, growth is still ahead, okay? But if I look at the forward PE PE valuation versus the S&P 500 value, uh, we're about almost a whole standard deviation below where we should be. Now, that might last a while because, you know, back when the last time we had a parabolic move in the NASDAQ was 2000, and we stayed down for a while. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I I think value... uh, you know, is is interesting simply because it's under underperformed for eight or nine years. So, I still think you have to get to a, a growth value portfolio. The problem is my growth portfolio is not doing as well as my value portfolio. You know, uh, I, I kind of use someone else uh, to do that deep value, and then I I buy growth at a reasonable cost. And the the deep value group outperformed last year. They were up six and a half percent, both of them. So. Uh, you know, by the way, the one was up like 35, 38 or, you know, somewhere in that range, depending on who you are the year before. Uh, so they, they do quite well. Um, but growth is, is interesting here. And I think dividend growth. So if you get a growth stock with dividend growth portfolio, I think is a very good time to be thinking about that right now. Uh, you know, and, and I, I think it's, uh, very, very important that you start to look at international stocks. Uh, if the dollar, the dollar is broken out of a downtrend, a 36-year downtrend. So I don't think it's going back to where it was. I think it's going to go sideways. And the question is, will the international stocks continue to do well? Because, you know, it just sold off to like 8%. And the international stocks outperformed. So it'll be interesting to see. But the ADR list is you know, a lot of good stocks on that that uh, we uh, – uh, you know, we I like anyway, uh, and I, I think there's some names that uh, everyone could use in their portfolio, and a couple of them have done really, really well in the last, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, six months, whatever. And, you know, look, I talk about the silver tsunami, okay? There's a lot of people getting older. You know, I have gray hair now, all right? So <laughs> all of us getting a little grayer, right? Uh, and this is a big generation, you know? It's the greatest generation, but it's also getting old. And so stock ideas for aging America is the prime income list and the dividend growth list. All right. Look, if you're 40 or 45 and you've got a dividend growth portfolio and you reinvest the dividends, you know, you might have to make a few changes occasionally. I like, you know, some people, Intel cuts their dividend. Okay. They cut it by 65%. Bye. Okay. And, uh, you know, and we're, we're looking at that one very closely, and uh, on a rally, we probably hit the road on it. Now, I've made a lot of money on Intel for a long period of time, but you know, when they start cutting the dividend, you got to hit the road. Now, sometimes it's good for the growth side of the portfolio, 
So, you know, you got to make those decisions and you take it from there. But the more gray hair you see, I mean, look, I, I, w- I went out to dinner the other night and I, I think the entire place <laughs> had gray hair. Uh, I went to Kent stage, you know, to see uh, a young lady play guitar. And I think we were the youngest people there, my wife and I. So, um, it, and, 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 you know, that's happening. Okay. It's out there. So they're looking for income. And by the way, I think of no better time uh, than right now to, to buy short-term bonds. Okay. I, I buy, I've been buying, I even got, uh, you know, a, a five and a quarter CD the other day. Okay. One year, one year. So now a couple things. I, I've seen a couple things that I like, and, and the oil stock started to rebound uh, last week, and, and they've been hit, getting hit pretty hard. So be, I, I think that's still good. Uh, in Tim Hayes' opinion, still good. Um, so you know, we we came to support, which is the 200-day moving average, and we bounced. So March is usually a pretty good day. Now uh, a month, I'm sorry. And what we see is the first couple of weeks of March are not so hot. You know, they're kind of up and downish. And then the, the last part of March goes, you know, you, the market goes crazy. And that's occurred about 82% of the time. So it's a pretty good indicator. And then April is a good month. And then May, you know, go away in May, come back on All Souls Day. But the ratio of S&P 500 versus bonds, you know, if we look at a relative strength, has been going sideways now for about four or five months. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, people are, are starting to put money into CDs. I mean, I, I've been doing it. So uh, now if I look at the S&P 500, we came right down to the 200-day two, moving average and rallied, which is right where you want it to rally because, you know, it, it had a one-day undercut. And uh, undercuts are there to fake people out and then rally back up. So it'll be interesting to see. If I look at the daily momentum, it's starting to turn up. So we'll see. You know, if 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 this continues, uh, you never know. But interest rates, uh, you know, the momentum on the interest rates is, uh, and I'm talking about the interest rates now, not the bonds, is is pretty well overbought. So we'll see if it stays that way. But you know, you got about it's 442, I think is the old high. I think we'll we'll hang. You know, we we won't go above that, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Opinions change, by the way. So I, I, at this point, well, the way I'm looking at it, I think that you know that 4.4 uh, percent would be something to pay attention to. The U.S. dollar, it looks like it's basing, so there might be another move up. The other thing I I, I saw is is everybody's going for the oil stocks, but what looks like it to me uh, is the the expiration of production uh, is interesting. But despite a, a very strong and and you know, geopolitical background, the stocks are traded in a, a pretty volatile sideways consolidation. And they're right at, you know, if, if you look at the the, the S&P 500 um, E&P list versus the S&P 500, they're right at the uptrend line. So they got a hold here. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm saying with oil. I, I think the best thing to happen is to buy it once it breaks 82.50 and then buy them because that's the downtrend line. So, um, you know, I was looking at some things. I was looking at the long-term chart of the, of the S&P 500. And, you know, the bottom occurred in 2009, and we held that line. Now, we didn't hold it in 2020. 
right? We we had like a one month undercut, uh, but we've held this thing. So we still have this beautiful uptrend. The only difference this time is, you know, in when we've got to the top end. So so what you do is you draw a line up above all the higher highs, and then you draw a line of the higher lows. And at the at the highs, when we got to the top of the trend line, what we did was we cut a couple of whoops, and then we went sideways for a while. This time we went straight down because of the interest rates. And so it, it surprised a lot of people, including yours truly. Um, so it's something that, uh, you know, you, you have to pay pretty close attention to. But we did start to turn this week. And the momentum started to turn both on the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. Uh, I'd also say the Russell 2000 is interesting, too. I did notice that the if you look at the American Association of Individual Investors, the bullish bear sentiment, you know, the bullish sentiment dropped off the map very quickly, and the bearish sentiment uh, popped back up pretty quickly. Uh, now, they're nowhere near extremes like they were. Uh, and I looked at, you know, growth versus value. Value had a strong January, pulled back a little bit uh, in February. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, growth, all, all the growth, large cap, mid cap, and small cap, all broke their downtrend line. It'll be interesting to see if they stay above it. Okay, that's I think the key. Uh, the one thing I did notice is that the high beta stocks, you know, which you know, high beta means cyclical. It might my thing said this beautiful rounded bottom broke out, pulled back, held, and bounced back up. So high beta has been the way to be. You know, that's what my my friends at Marshfield have been in the financials and the cyclicals, and you know, financials are cyclical, by the way. And, and they've been, they did great last year. I mean, 6.5% in the down 18% market, that's pretty darn good. Now, the 10-year yield is up there. To, you know, it hit 4%, broke 4%. But the relative strength momentum, the RSI momentum, is very overbought. It's not extreme overbought, but it's overbought. So we'll see if it holds. Uh, if you look at real rates, uh, it's, you know, we're at the same level. Okay? So that's something you have to pay attention to. Um, and 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 the dollar, the momentum is pretty overbought there too. Hey, let's take a break. If you got a question, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Do you believe in magic in a young girl's heart? How the music can free her The straight talking, hard working, do it right plumbers at Why It Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Why It Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. Wallaka doodle. Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call why it works and consider it done license number 30185 the cleveland orchestra welcomes you to severance music center this march and the wonder all around you're invited to experience ravel's piano concerto 
and orchestration of pictures at an exhibition. Mozart's powerful requiem and the creativity of the Tempest Symphony. Don't miss a moment. You and the Cleveland Orchestra this March. Tickets at clevelandorchestra.com. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. I haven't heard that song in a long time. Good job, Lenny. Anyway, um, industrial metals have performed pretty well this year. They're up about 7.6%, maybe 7.7%. Copper, you know, Dr. Copper, which is always an important scenario. Uh, Dr. Copper has some positive monthly momentum. And other commodities within the industrial metals have done pretty well. Rolled steel done extremely well. Uh, the steel index ETF has been doing really well. And it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the XME, which is uh, um, one of my favorites, is the metal and mining. And that's an interesting looking chart on a point and figure basis. So keep that in mind. Um, people ask me about crypto, and all I can tell you is Bitcoin broke us down trend line. Okay, so I'm not... I'm not recommending it. Uh, I, I don't follow it very closely. But the bullish percent came in at 54.7%. Still calm the lows, though. All right? So uh, there's more risk on the table. I did notice the VIX broke through and has been down. There's been some support around 20. It broke through that. You know, when VIX goes down, market usually goes up. VIX goes up, market usually goes down. Uh, I did I did suggest that... Uh, the over-the-counter index is still in the column of X's, but it's very close to breaking down. Uh, it's at 38 would break it down. It's at 38.9, so you're getting close. And the same with the uh, world index, which is at 42, and 40 would break it down. So uh, we have two of the three indexes that we follow really closely are still in the column of X's. So uh, I call this something, you know, we'll call it bull correction territory, okay? Uh, that's what our friends Dorsey Wright, you know, they provide us with the bullish percent. By the way, Dorsey Wright, great group out of Virginia. They're the keepers of the point and figure charts. Uh, and if you look, um, well, it, you know, last year proved uh, tough for domestic equities as an asset class, and spent most most of the year down in our dynamic asset level investing, but not, at, you know, they weren't the, the worst. It was. It was basically currencies. And, you know, we were worried about currencies. And I think one of those currencies was Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, it, it got beat up pretty bad. And But if I look at the sector update, basic materials are still number one. Financials are number two. Industrials are number three. Uh, financials jumped over industrials, just so you know. Consumer non-cyclical or staples are number four. And energy is number five. So energy went from first to fifth real quick. Dead last is communication services. And I noticed there was a lot of money. You know, I, I get the, the money flows every every Saturday. 
and there was a lot of money that flowed into communication services. And I did notice that healthcare took a hit. So, uh, you know, healthcare looked like it was it was looking good, and then uh, it's, it's been weakening since the beginning of the year. So we'll, we'll take it from there. But and, and, and people have been asking about international equities, and uh, the, there's a couple ETFs out there that look really really good, and you know that's for you guys to uh, figure out. Uh, you know, I I've got them here. I I, I tried to buy some uh, international equities, and they jumped on me and I thought, well, I'll wait and I shouldn't have waited. <laughs> so that's the way it works sometimes. Uh, but there's a couple, uh, ACWH and EUFN that, that look fairly interesting. Uh, although I'd both buy them and pulling back. Um, so, but I do like the ADR list. There's some really good names in there. I've seen a couple of the Chinese stocks that we have in there, you know, bounce and they've broken double, double tops. And so there's some interesting stuff. Now the 10 year yield, uh, broke out big this week. All right, so it, it turned into a column of X's. You know, we talked about that two weeks ago, and 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 it broke that three uh, point or three point nine five, and so it, it hit four, almost went to four point five, and and then fell back. So um, it's on a buy signal. All right, so you know the momentum's fairly overbought, not terribly overbought. So you you got to watch that very closely because if interest rates go up. P.E. ratios go down, and that's what's been happening in February, although, you know, the yields pulled back just a quarter of a point Thursday and Friday, and we had a big rally in both both days. So um, the short end of the yield curve has really steepened in, in the middle of the curve. One- and two-year yields have moved up faster than short-term rates. So, you know, you're seeing some really good deals in Treasury bills and CDs. Matter of fact, I got a couple of CDs that got a little bit higher yield than uh, than the Treasury. So, uh, you know, if I was looking at uh, bonds, I'd be looking at floating rate bonds, inverse fixed income for those of you who like to do that type of thing. And it, uh, it, I think you know you want to look at global intermediate bonds. You know, they got a pretty nice yield on those too. So that's where I'd stay. You know, I was looking. You know, crude's still on a buy signal. It's in a column of O's right now. So. It would reverse up at 82. So if we get 82, it'd be great. Gold is the opposite way. It's, it's got a positive trend, and, but it's on an RX sell signal, and it's in a column of X's. So it's, it's kind of hard. I did know some – I was looking at my charts now. Okay, this is Tim's charts, and I noticed that a lot of the gold stocks are starting to firm up. You know, they were showing up uh, – I think it was Thursday, uh, and Wednesday and Thursday they showed up. So we'll see what happens. You know, natural gas has been a total disaster this year. Uh, you know, it rallied really hard going into uh, Ukraine, and now is where it was way back in, I don't know, 2020, maybe. Yeah, right at the bottom in 2020. So, obviously, we have a lot of natural gas out there. <laughs> now, I think what's really interesting is that the S&P 500 has come right to its 200-day moving average, and it rallied. And, and that's a that's a big positive when you bounce off your 200 day, all right. Uh, so if it stays stays up here, I think we're in pretty good shape. You know, since that September bottom that I talked about, you know, there was the last week of September. I said I think we've hit bottom. We're up almost 16 percent. So uh, I mean, it's been a really good solid move. And look, some people ask me uh, about unemployment 
the unemployment rate. And, it, you know, it's, it's released on the last Friday of every month, which would mean March 3rd, by the way. But because of a complicated formula for uh, the information uh, by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and because February is a short calendar month, this will be released this week, uh, this Friday. And I'm expecting the, the recent month's numbers for unemployment are going to change very soon. There's three big leading indicators that, you know, I see. Um, and by the way, there's a great article. Uh, I can't remember who it was by this weekend. I think it was Tom McQuellen. Uh, you know, I get his newsletter. He's phenomenal. But, uh, so, it, you know, first of all, there's lagging uh, data of unemployment are going to do this. This week, uh, the first one, is it reveals the change in consumer confidence, precede changes in the unemployment rate by about 10 months. So this should mean a rise in unemployment rate over the next few months anyway. And then a similar measure comes in, in, a, in a chart uh, from longer-term indicators, and that's a change in the inflation rate has usually led to a, a corresponding change in, in unemployment rate. Uh, and then, so, so the, the model calls for a drastic rise in, in unemployment. So that's inter- interesting. And there's uh, one more intermediate relationship that's interesting and relative, uh, it involves the stock market in a very different way of looking at unemployment. Uh, the employment population radio ratio counts up every human alive in the U.S., if you can believe the calculations anyway. And then it factors not just in unemployed people, but also everything, you know. Uh, so it obviously fluctuates up and down, but also with changing demographics. These changing demographics are interesting. Uh and they're starting to show, look out, you know, in that area. Okay, so it, there's a lot of things going on that uh, make life interesting, I think, uh, going forward. But look, the long view is this. If I look at the long-term market, we're still, we started this secular bull market in two, 2000, the end of 2016, when we broke out. Okay, we were in a deflationary period. Now we're in a reflationary period. You know, reflation worked from 29 bottom all the way up until the 50s. So I think we have probably another eight to 10 years of a bull market. Now you say, well, this wasn't a bull market. Well, there are bear markets within secular bull markets, okay? And there are secular bull markets. I mean, in secular bear markets, there are bull markets. You know, if you look from the bottom in 2003 to 2008-9, we had a big rally. Then we fell down again, and we had another big rally until we broke out, all right? So in the past, we've seen rallies from the bottom, all right, from going from 20, you know, 29, the bottom to the top, which occurred, I don't know, uh, 52, 53, uh, 62, 63, uh, was 2,300. In, in the 70s, from the bottom to the top, uh, you know, we, we had a 2,300 move. Just go to 2,000. You're talking about 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P worth 3,900. So there's still a long way to go is what I'm trying to tell you. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's not something that uh, is, is going away. Okay. It, it's going to, we're going to be talking about it for a long, long time. But remember, we have these four year cycles within those grand, you know, bull markets and 2024, you know, we talked about this year being, you know, this sawtooth pattern upwards, okay? So we're, we're going to make higher highs, but we're also going to make lows. And each time the low is there, the boo birds will come out and say, it's the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. 
but it, it doesn't do wonders for your stomach, okay? It turns your stomach muscles. But the point is, is when your stomach's turning, is one of the best times to invest there is. And that's what you've got to keep in mind. When everybody else is crying in their beer, look at a great company. Buy a dividend growth company. Buy a prime income company. You know, so you get a little income while you're waiting. There'll come a time to buy the, the real aggressive stocks going forward. But as of now, use it to, to buy high-quality stocks. And, uh, you know, my problem is I'm, I'm trying to do this perfect, so I'm waiting for these things to pull back. I tried to buy Boeing the other day, and it took off on me. <laughs> Sorry for the pun. But anyway, these four-year cycles, we're, we're coming near the end of this four-year cycle, so pay very close attention. And I look at the S&P 500, and, you know, I talked about this, you know, being at the top end of the trend line back in January of last year, all right? And I said that the momentum was way overbought. Well, now we're at the other end. We're at the lowest momentum numbers I've seen in 20 years, maybe 30 years, okay? Going, you know, going back to 1990, uh, we, we weren't even this low. So uh, now's a good time to be paying a cl close attention. In the meantime, it sounds like we should take a break. Remember, if you've got a question, it's 216-901-0945. Sorry about that. Uh, let's go. I saw her sitting in the rain. Raindrops falling on her. She didn't seem to care. Ohio Roads and Bridges connect us to things we need and enjoy. It takes a lot of hard work and money to keep roads in good shape. Today, most of that money comes from Ohio's gas tax. As Ohioans drive more fuel-efficient and electric vehicles, people are buying less gas. That's great for our environment, but it means less money for road and bridge maintenance. Ohio is conducting a study to find a new and more sustainable way to fund the maintenance of our roads and bridges. To learn more and to provide input, visit OhioRoadFunding.com. Sponsored by Ohio Department of Transportation and aired in cooperation with the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. The Seconda crew is frustrated with a lack of communication. We've shot down three objects that are still unidentified, and the president, who did give a speech yesterday at some event, still has not spoken about it to the American people. The Secretary of Defense for China will not take the call from Lloyd Austin. What does that tell you? It tells you we are standing in the, the world has gone down dramatically. And the lack of communication, including from Admiral Kirby and the rest of them, has just been horrific. Secular. Weeknights at 6, right before Brandon Tatum at 7, on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. This is the Smart Investor Show, and uh, this is a time when we talk about, you know, we've talked about strategy, we've talked about different sectors, we've talked about different uh thought processes and, you know, whether it should be international, whatever. Now we're going to talk about insiders. Insiders know their companies better than us. That's simple. And, you know, when they buy and they buy big, you should pay attention, right? So what you want to do is you want to, you want to match the fundamentals with the charts with the insider buying. 
When you do that, you're usually in pretty good shape. You know, uh, just so you know, insiders are right more than analysts. Wonder why? <laughs> they know the numbers. And here's another one: uh, energy transfers. Uh, this has got a big dividend yield. It's an MLP now. All right, so it's it's a return of your investment, the return of principal. So there's some tap, tap, uh, tax implications to that. But the executive chairman, Kelsey Warren, has bought a lot of stock in the last couple of weeks. And he bought another $21.7 million worth this week. Uh, he paid thirteen oh five, so it's a good price. Um, so you love to see multiple buys, and you love to see especially executive chairman buying stuff. And then we have Twillo, where we have internet, you know, they're in internet content. And at an uh, now, this is up 10 bucks from where the guy bought it. He paid 63 for it, but it's Jeff Lawson. He's a C- CEO. He bought $10 million worth. And I, I believe there was one other g- gentleman that uh, bought there, too. Uh, I have to look, at, look it up, but I think it was two. And then Lazy Day Holdings, which is an auto and truck dealership. We had Coliseum Capital Management by $9.3 million, And then two days, uh, no, I'm sorry. And then, yeah, a day later, they bought $4.5 million. And then a day, at, uh, you remember last week they bought uh, two point, you know, two point one million. So you like seeing that. Uh, also, Goosehead Insurance at a new high. Well, I'm sorry, these guys bought it at forty four. So it it, it it was after that last week the stock gapped open and the guy bought it. He bought three point seven uh, million dollars. It's Tom McConnell, who's a pretty sharp guy, by the way. And then uh, this is a, for all you like to speculate. Uh, and, and and the guy got beat up on this at first, but it's called uh, Black Box Stocks, and it's a software application. And he bought three point three million, and he just happens to be president and CEO. Um, so uh, by the way, I, I forgot. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll, let me let me move on. Uh, and then uh, Golfeller uh, Corporation, which is in the paper business, at three seventy two, stock backed off from four fifty. Uh, we had the uh, senior vice president and IT guy uh, buy uh, a million dollars worth of stock. We'd like to see that. And Domino's Pizza gets whacked, and the insiders buy, uh, chief executive officer buys a million dollars worth. Uh, he, he was pretty good on the call, by the way, from what I understand. And then uh, Waters Corporation, which is you know in diagnostics and research, uh, at 313. Uh, the a director bought a million dollars worth, and we had a couple other ones. This is uh, a, a neat uh, Nextra, Nextra Energy. Uh, we had an insider buy seven hundred thousand dollars worth. That's on our prime income list, so that's a good one. And then uh, you may recall about two two months ago, uh, the Curry Dr Pepper people bought some. Um, it was I think it was back in uh, uh, January. Uh, and then the stock hit a new low at uh, 54, uh, you know, a bounce. Looks like it's making a double bottom. And uh, we had another guy, uh, director, buy uh, $700,000 worth. And then uh, Blackstone Minerals, which is a master limited partnership, the uh, CEO and chairman bought uh, twice to the tune of just under a million bucks. So you like to see that. Um, we've seen a couple of small names uh, that people uh, – you know, this guy bought $4 million worth of uh, OBS EVE, which is a biotech, and jumped the stock big, you know. So a couple more buys in Riley, uh, which is a brokerage firm. Uh, they, you know, they were, they've been buying for some time now. Uh, Mr. Riley bought, uh, and 
then Randall Paulson and Andrew Moore too. And then we had uh, one more big buy, and that was in uh, it was. Uh, uh, well, I'm not going to. I'm not supposed to say that one. <laughs> so we'll leave it at, at that. Um, anyway, we we have some things going for us here. You know, we, we had this uninspiring rally at the beginning of the week, and then, and, but it does look like a, and, and then it started up. So I think we have a tradable rally uh, coming up. And the S&P lies, you know, it was very close to important support, which was the 39.29 area that I talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, and I also noticed that the home builders, they looked like they were bottoming and then, uh, you know, kind of stabilized a little bit. We'll see what happens. Um, a lot of people ask me about robotics, and uh, the robotics were a key support. If I if I look at some of the ETFs, and they held, so we'll see what happens from there. Uh, I think you know you could have a period of time going forward that um, you know we're going to see some of these things bottom, and they they may start to pick up with the rest of the market. <clears throat> so the leading stuff is still the basic materials. And uh, the financials, they, they definitely lead in the way. Um, so I, I think the, the, the sell-off in February is starting to turn a little bit. And like I said, March, the beginning of March, usually, I mean, this is like 82% of the time, so it's fairly good information. It, you know, you usually go sideways, bounce around a little bit, and then the end of March is when you really uh, really start to, uh, uh, you know, have a good market. Now, if you look at GAN's mass pressure index, it shows a pretty sharp rally starting this week, this next week, uh, for the whole of twenty March, the whole of March. So we'll see what happens. You know, I don't know if you know Gann stuff, but he they they have some really, you know, a pause. I mean, it's it's just good stuff. Uh, so you should be keeping keeping that in the back of your mind. Look, I, I think there's some oscillators out there that are, are showing us that more stocks are participating in the market. As a matter of fact, the small cap and the Dow Jones have led the way. Uh, and but you know the the monthly quadrant balance oscillator, which was down in the dumps, that means everything was down the dumps, is now at mid range. So we're seeing more and more stocks participating on the upside, and that's a positive thing. All right, uh, you know you, when you spread out the market. Uh, you know, there's, by the way, first of all, there's less risk. That's because more stocks are going up. But usually, you know, we've had uh, years where we've had down years for the market. And usually they're followed by up years. So it'll be interesting to see how we do this year. But look, downtrends are downtrends. But we've broken the downtrends on all the indexes now. So if you were bearish, you should have been bearish you know, when I first started talking about the, the bullish percent being at 81, and that was in the summer of 2021, okay? So uh, we are now at the bottom. So a lot of people are still bearish, especially my Republican friends. They're, you know, they're, they, you know, they're kind of crazy about Biden and what's going on. And I can't say as I blame them. Uh, you know, I tend to, I lean to the right uh, pretty hard. So it, it's hard. When your emotions are telling you, ah, I got to be crazy, you know, everything's going to be crazy. But what you should be doing is thinking, hey, my stomach is churning. What should I be buying? All right. And I'll say it again. Take a look 
at the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list, even our best ideas list. All right, uh, there's some really good names on there. If the market's spreading out, that's that's an area where you're probably going to make some money. Okay, um, we'll take it from there. But look, uh, go to WHK fourteen twenty. All right, their web page is a great one. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. All right, remember if you want to set up an appointment with me, let me know. Uh, there's all these contact and email me's, but don't forget the insight tab has a lot of good research and underneath the bulletin board right below there has Rob Schleimer's roadmap stuff. And that's really good. And also a newsletter, monthly newsletter. Uh, I highly recommend it. Don't, don't forget the wealth plan. You don't have to be a customer now or a client to have a wealth plan. We can do one as a prospect. You can see what we can do for you. All right. Uh, also, the Family Inventory Workbook. It's a way of getting financially organized. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff I've seen in the past. So this is a good way to put it all in one book. All right? Keep a copy. If you want me to keep a copy, I will for you. All right? But in the meantime, you know, the wealth plan is interactive. So as your, plan, as your life changes, the plan changes. We can tell you, hey, if we make these changes, this is your success rate. This is the chance of your success rate. And we take into account there's bear markets, okay, and there's bull markets. So some things that we're, to think about. In the meantime, have yourself a great weekend. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.